Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y for 67369. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up the Same. I'm your host, Trevon Edwards. I'm joined by my co-host, Jason Madison. We have a special guest today, uh, JJ Reddick of the New Orleans Pelicans. What's going on, JJ? What's up, y'all? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, JJ. We appreciate it. Uh, JJ Reddick is an American basketball player for the New Orleans Pelicans. He's been in the NBA 14 seasons, previously playing for the Magic, Bucks, Clippers, and 76ers. He's also famously a graduate of Duke University, as well as a podcaster. His new podcast, The Old Man and the Three, features co-host Tommy Alter. JJ, this is the one of the two. You ready? All right. Yeah, let's do it. Wine or beer? Wine, all day. Bourbon or Tennessee whiskey? I'll go bourbon, but I, it's, it's, I have no, no strong inclination to ever drink whiskey. So. <laughs> Disneyland or Disney World? Disneyland. Disneyland, yes. Grant Hill or Elton Brand? We'll go with the OOG, uh, Grant. John Wooden or Coach K? Coach K. Stan Van Gundy or Doc Rivers? Oof. Oof. Oh, man. I'm going to go with Stan. Because if it wasn't for Stan, I would have never played for Doc. Stan punched me in the mouth 
he he got me right. He got me to where I could play in the NBA. Nice. Pharrell or Timberland? Pharrell. Cardi B or Meg Thee Stallion? Yo, I don't even know who Meg Thee Stallion is. <laughs> so I'm going to say Cardi B. <laughs> I'm guessing you haven't heard Waff then. I said certified free. Seven days a week. Make that, make that game weak. I listened to it for, for a hot second. That was it. I was out. <laughs> uh, Chris Duhon or Jay Williams? Oof. You know what? I... I played with C. Do, so I'll, I'll say I'll say Chris. White man can't jump or Rocky. White man can't jump for sure. Cameron Indoor or the Staples Center. Cameron. The Tipping Point or Outliers. Ooh. I'm gonna say Outliers. Yes, me too. Virginia or California. Ooh, what part of California? That's the same. Whole- Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm going to go with Virginia, honestly. I'm going to go with the home state. Kenny Mayne or Dan Patrick? <sighs> man, y'all are coming up with some tough ones here. Uh, I'm going to say Kenny. Kenny. I, I, Kenny's my sense of humor. The dry humor is my sense of humor. So I'm going to say Kenny. Big Cat or PFT? Big cat, because PFT can't spell my name right. <laughs> Can you spell anything right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Eminem or 50 Cent? M. Bobby Hurley or Christian Leitner? Leitner, because he's the GOAT Duke player ever. He's the, he's the greatest. Nice. Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison? Happy Gilmore. By far. Not even close. Scream or I Know What You Did Last Summer? It's almost like which is the worst movie, you know? Which is which of those is worse? Because they're both so bad. Yeah. I'm going to say I Know What You Did Last Summer. Right. Mario or Sonic? Mm, Sonic. Nice. Animaniacs or Looney Tunes? Looney Tunes. Sopranos or The Wire? Yeah, no, I haven't seen either. I haven't seen either. It, I, it's, it pains me to admit that. I haven't seen either. The Wire is my favorite show of all time. You should definitely watch it if you get a chance. All right. I will. I will. Yeah. Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. Flair or Upper Deck? I'm going to say Fleer. Because the, the basketball cards from the 80s are so iconic. Yeah. Freshman year or senior year? Senior year. Audiobook or hard copy? Hard copy. All day. I can, I can tell by your background. Yeah. I got a lot of fucking empty shelves in this house, though. It's crazy, man. I, I got, I'm about 3,000 books short right now. <laughs> Uh, would you rather travel back in time or travel to the future? Mm. Mm. Uh, travel back in time. 
Nice. Uh, would you rather hurt your best friend or help your worst enemy? Help, for sure. Help my worst enemy. Uh, pod- podcaster or broadcaster? Podcaster. I'll always, I'll always choose long form over short form. Mental health or physical health? Wow. I got to say, man, the two go hand in hand, I think. Yeah. There's a, there's a mental benefit to being physically fit and working out. You know, your, your brain releases endorphins and dopamine. So I'm going to say physical. Okay. Friends or Seinfeld? Seinfeld. Nice. And the last one, intelligence or empathy? Empathy for sure. Nice. Well, that was the one of the two. Thanks, JJ. I love it. That was great, man. Some good questions from Jason. He brings it every week. Um, It definitely made you uh, think a little bit hard on some of them. So, you know, (laughs) uh, kudos to Jay on that one. Um, So I'm going to jump right into it. What's the backstory behind JJ Shooter 3 at (laughs) AOL.com? Yeah, so that was was my first – my first email and my first like screen name, you know, my first handle, if you will. Um, you know, we all, we all had AOL messenger and, um, I think I was either in eighth grade or ninth grade and I like to shoot threes. And so it wasn't shooter, you know, like I'm a shooter, you know, I'm not, you know, abbreviate, you know, shortening shooter. It was like JJ shoot a three, you know what I mean? Mm. So, um, what with that, um, put that out there I think on Twitter a couple of years ago and and still still a little embarrassed about that handle to be honest with you but I feel like everybody had like really like we didn't always think it through then you know what I mean we, we all had some wild shit back then to be fair mine was the schoolboy d-a-s-k-o-o-l-b-o-y and I yeah. kind of ran with that for like maybe three years black planet aim aol everything yeah. that you possibly could think of that was my name based off of like murphy lee um like album like one of his songs and stuff and i just was like all right yeah never thought what were you gonna say jason no my first uh screen name was jason betha like mace okay mace. <laughs> <laughs> i like that one yeah that was i cool. like that one <laughs> that's awesome so tell me about the waste management rap group Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, so a little backstory. So when I was basically from my eighth grade on, I would write down rap lyrics and I got to college and like in high school, when I would go to AU tournaments or, you know, USA basketball camp or Nike camp, I would inevitably find myself in somebody's dorm room or somebody's hotel room in a cipher or a battle rap. And I just, I loved rap. And so I would, I would write these lyrics down. And then when I got to college, I had a buddy who played on the Duke soccer team, this, this dude, Ryan Curlew. And we would be in his room and we had like, basically just like a headphone and a little, little mouthpiece coming through. And we would, um, you know, we'd rap over instrumentals. And then he started making beats. And then we, we like made a few songs, like original songs off that. But it was like the quality of the production was terrible. His beats were great, but you know, we just we didn't have like a studio or equipment. And then when I got to Orlando, you know, I still wrote raps or whatever, and Brian Anderson came and he was like, I make beats too. 
I can't rap. You make the rap, I'll make the beats. So we told the Orlando media that we were forming a rap supergroup called called uh, Waste Management. And um, it never really got off the ground. <laughs> he did make a beat. So he made one beat and I wrote out uh, two verses for it. And we had somebody write like a chorus for us, like, a, like the hook. And uh, we, ne we never ended up recording it. And this at the same time, Brandon Bass was like legitimately recording songs. And he, I think he put out a couple music videos as well. And so we were going to go with his producer. We never ended up doing it. And Ryan ended up, ended up using that beat because the beat was awesome. He ended up using that beat in like a contest for the Magic for their playoff anthem. So like anyone from Orlando could like basically take that beat and either alter it or, you know, keep it the same and add, you know, lyrics and, and whatever to it. So they used that as our theme song that year for the playoff run. Um, I'm actually glad that I never... I never recorded anything. Oh man, I was hoping that we, I was hoping that you would drop it at at uh at six p.m. today or something, man. We oh have a good man, that no. would be great. I I actually talked so the dude from Duke, Ryan. I, I connected with him on IG um, last week because I think he I I said this recently about this, and he he reached out and he was like, "Yo, man," he's like, "I don't even know where their song those songs are." He goes, "I know they exist somewhere in a computer that I have somewhere, but he's like, I don't know where they are." Oh, so. That that would be amazing, man. All AJ, right. Who would, who would you compare yourself to as a rapper? Oh, that's good. Um, so I would, so I would say my biggest influences would be, uh, Tupac, Eminem, Nas, and Talib Kweli. So I was, I was like a social con conscious rapper, but then I would like delve into these like random, like Eminem ish, you know, like verses where I would just like spit like, eight bars in like two sentences you know what i mean lyrics coming at you with supersonic speed just like the word play so um yeah, that was that. That would be my combo for sure. Yeah, I like that. That's, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so uh, I had a question about C. Do because I have a, a relationship with him um, yeah. from growing up in Compton, which is kind of funny. Um, but let's talk about your love for baseball and basketball cards growing up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was so I, I've always been like a weird sort of. OCD collector when it comes to things like when I enjoy something and I like collecting it I just I just go like full tilt I go I go deep on things and so right now it's wine it was watches when I was a kid at first it was Playmobiles and GI Joe my little my my, my son my six-year-old my, my young or my oldest he's obsessed with Legos so he collects Legos he's he builds like these these pieces takes some hours he sits there, he builds them, and then he like puts them on his shelf. And he now has like a collection of all these amazing things that he's done. And then I got into so I got when I got into sports, I got into baseball cards at first, and then I got into basketball cards. And I mean, like anybody, like I would go to trade shows, I'd go to the shop and just browse. Uh, me and my friends all, you know, we trade. And um, I remember one friend; his dad would always somehow be involved in the trade. 
Like he didn't want me to like take advantage of this kid or something. I don't know. Um, my mom, when I, when I moved into this house, my mom sent me like everything that she had in our attic, in our house growing up. And I found my collection and I got to say, it's pretty, it's pretty legit, man. Like it's, I still have all the sleeves or whatever, you know, the pages of sleeve that like it, it's funny to look back. Cause I stopped collecting. When I was like 12 or 13. I, I had such OCD then like everything, every page is like by the player and it goes like by the year this way. And then you turn the page and then, it, you know, whatever. So I have like 45 Michael Jordan cards. I think I have three Kobe Bryant rookie cards. I have a ton of Griffey cards, a ton of Frank Thomas, Albert Bell, Manny Ramirez, Barry Bonds. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, like legitimately I was like, oh, I, I actually had a pretty good collection. Did y'all collect? Did y'all collect cards? Yeah, so, yeah. I, yeah. I got right here. I, actually, I'm, I wanna, I'm tempted to show you some right now. But, go for uh, it. You can yeah, go ahead. Do you, have, do, you have a Jordan, do you have a Jordan rookie card? I don't have a Jordan rookie card. I have an Iverson rookie card. I actually traded my – my biggest one of my biggest regrets in life was I traded my uh, Kobe rookie card to my cousin for like I don't even know what it was. It was like a Gary Payton signature card and three other things. Like you know, it was just a silly trade. Like you said, your dad or the kid's dad didn't want. <laughs> like I, my cousin took advantage of me right there. Like you know, it was just a bad trade. But I still do have my Iverson rookie. That's I got good. a bunch of. Um, a bunch of uh, dream team cards. I got, you know, everybody from the nineties from like, you know, uh, I posted a bunch uh, on, on uh, Twitter, like from Rod Strickland to whoever, Bo Outlaw, all the random players. Like, you know, yeah, I don't, I, have, I, I, I don't I, have a card, but I have this. Oh, wow. And you kept that from when you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So That's we had, amazing. we had Pablo Torre on uh, a couple weeks ago and he told us a story about, him playing at a basketball court and he let, he was being really generous and just like, let this kid look at his, like his, his binder of cards. And he comes back from playing basketball and all of his Jordan cards were stolen. Wow. Yeah. And he's just like, he would love to get back into cards now, but he's just like, so like traumatized from that moment of just trying to recover those oh, like man. cards. And it's just like, man, but we were thinking about would, kind of rehashing be, that career, like getting collecting cards. I, I, I would again. be devastated. Yo, I don't know if y'all pay attention to Gary V on Twitter, mm -hmm. but he's he's gone full like, full on collector mode, and he his the stuff he's collecting. He's collecting like Wilt Chamberlain's, uh, Jordan rookie cards, Akeem Olajuwon rookie cards. Matter of fact, I went to I went to Gary V's office, um, in 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 New York like two years ago, and. Gary Vee's high energy. I don't know if you know him at all, but he's like high energy. So he's, he's doing his thing. You know, he's talking to me and all of a sudden he looks at his wall and he's got all this sports movie on his wall and he grabs like four Akeem Olajuwon rookie cards. Wow. And he's like, he's like, I'm telling you, man, this is the future. In 50 years, these cards are going to be worth 10 X what they're worth now. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, man. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like, we all, like, I feel like there's, you know, stamps or coins. Like there's so many different things that people collect. Mm -hmm. uh, who who knows? I mean, is there really any value in a, in a, in, a, in a piece of cardboard? There's really not. It's, right. There's really not. Yeah. So the it's first card I put out is uh, Cliff Robinson. Rest yep. in peace. And rest then, in peace. Uncle, Uncle Split. And I'm just and I'm just scrolling through, and I have a David Robinson rookie card right here. Oh, that's nice. Okay. That's nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff in here. I got everybody, man. I got I got Zeke. I got yeah, Grant Hill right here. Oh, I had some Grant Hills. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Jersey so, too. You know, Malone, you know, I just I got everybody, man. I was that was I was definitely in a collective. We were talking about this, by the way, the, all those nineties nineties cards. I was going through when I was going through the nineties cards, I realized the NBA jerseys from the nineties, that was the best era for best NBA era. jerseys. Easy call. Oh, far. Sure. Sure. Easy. Easy we, call. we it's it's not out yet, but in, in in my next episode for my podcast, we rank all time NBA jerseys. And I think four of my five were, were from the nineties. Mm-hmm. I think that was that was the best era. Cause the cause those fits too, like the length of the mm-hmm. shorts. The jerseys weren't like super baggy like they were in the early two. Like it was heavy mesh jerseys too. in the early two. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. just those were so clean back then. Yeah, yeah, the Raptors, the Grizzlies jerseys that first came out, the Suns jerseys. I mean, there was a bunch of fly jerseys. Here we I go. Right, the, here we go right here. <laughs> the Kings. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> I love yes. the All Star jerseys where they had like the. Was that in Phoenix where the cactus? Had, the cactus on that yeah. was. A, all-star yeah. jerseys ever. Yeah. San Antonio's uh teal. It's some it's some yes. good ones though, man, when you really think about it. I love Mitchell and S for being able to 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 help us relive that stuff. Uh tell me a little bit about Fort Building. You mentioned it earlier. <laughs> yeah, that was probably that's probably another one of my obsessions. So we when I was three, we moved from Tennessee. We moved to um a little town outside Charlottesville called Keswick. And my parents, they bought the, um, they bought the property for like a hundred grand. I can't believe they sold it. It's worth like 10 X that now, but they bought it for a hundred grand, 13 acres. And we would just go out in the woods every day and explore. And so we came, we found this little clearing in the woods, my, me and my older sisters, and we built like an entire village. Um, and then when we moved to Roanoke, which was in the mountains, that was even more fun. Cause then we, we would like build these tree house forts. We would come upon these rocks like built into the side of the hill and we'd build a fort around that. So I, yeah, I probably did that until like middle school. I probably thought I was like 12 years old. I would just go out in the woods and I was homeschooled until fifth grade. So I would get my work done in the morning. I go shoot hoops for a little bit and then I just leave till dinner time. I'd be out in the woods for like four or five hours till dinner time. Um, I really didn't have, now that I think about it, I really didn't have a lot of toys when I was growing up. When I say I collected Playmobil, I had one set. It was Fort George. I found it on eBay the other day. I was thinking about buying it. It was Fort George. Um, that was the one set I had. And then with G.I. Joe's, I probably had like three. But like I kept those things meticulous. Mm-hmm. Meticulous. So I had a question. Uh, when did you become J.J. And, and, and move on from Jonathan Clay? Ooh. You know what? I was, I always owned it for as long as I could remember because my older sisters were like my heroes. They were five years older than me. They're identical twins. So by the time I have any memories, it's, it's, it's me being JJ. And I got it because they would say everything at the same time when they were kids. So people would ask what my name was and they would say JJ like that. Cause my dad called me J Jonathan for, you know, J for short for Jonathan. My middle name is clay. So JJ stuck. When I was like 12, I told my mom, I was like, I'm so tired of telling this story about why my name is JJ. Can I get it legally changed to Jonathan James? And she's like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. No, you cannot do that. So I, I love it now because Clay, my parents were, um, were potters. That was their profession. My dad was a, was a clay potter. My mom was a sculptor. Um, we lived, well, I first lived on a, um, like a legit commune in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. And 
they were, you know, artsy and, and hippies. And uh, so now being able to connect that to my name, my middle name, Clay, is awesome. I didn't have that perspective, of course, when I was when I was 12. I will say this, my 94-year-old grandmother, she's the only person who ever has called me Jonathan that I can remember and is the only person that still calls me Jonathan. Yeah, I, th- I think now just obviously being, even when, like, being a basketball player myself and then hearing about you, uh, you're 83 or 84? 84. Okay. So yeah, we're, I'm 85 and I would be checking, you know, the different rankings and stuff and it would be just different, just just different names. And then I remember when, um, so this is my C do story, right? His dad pokey is from Compton and C do is from Louisiana Slidell. And he would come to Compton every summer and his cousin, his cousin guy used to live, across the street from me and one his senior year before his senior year he came to visit and we went to hoop at compton college and we were recruiting him at dominguez high school with tyson chandler and a couple yeah, yeah. other guys and at that particular time they're like chris is number one player in the country so i'm like no he's not right i'm young i'm like 14 at this time getting ready to go into ninth grade and and, and Chris is just killing. And a lot of people don't remember that Chris was averaging maybe under 26 points per game at that time. And he was a scorer before he came to Duke. So um, I just normally bugged out. And I, that's the only time I actually rooted for y'all was when C. Du was playing for Duke. Like I'm a yeah. LA guy through and through, but like, yeah, he was the first person that I, outside of Tyson Chandler was the first person I knew personally to say, Oh, they going to NBA, you know, like I'm going to just roll with whatever, you know what I mean? So, and it's so funny. How do you feel for one? Also, I want to thank you for shotgunning a beer for bubble life. Cause that was our account, (laughs) (laughs) but how did it feel? Cause I think some people hold on to collegiate stuff, right? And they just hate Duke. Sometimes they feel like Duke is just this entitled, you know, institution. How did it feel? To be received, <laughs> yeah, I, I respect the honesty, Jason. Uh, how does it feel to be received on like? Because when you shotgun the beer for us, everybody across was like, "Wow!" Like I didn't expect him to do that. Like, what, yeah. what, what, what? How did it feel as far as? Because I, I don't know if they're particularly like gain more fans off of that, but it was also like, "Hey, JJ's like me." Right. I first of all. You know, I shotgunned a lot of beers at Duke. All right. <laughs> so yeah, no, you did it. You did it. You did it like a, a pro. So it was. It um, wasn't. It wasn't a Jordan Clarkson shotgun. I'll say yeah, that. it was. It's been. Um, it's been. A, it's been a few years since I did that. Um, who wrote the tweet, by the way? Who was the person? Drew actually Ruiz. Wrote the tweet? So Drew. Okay, Ruiz, Drew okay. Yeah, yeah. He he just started yeah. like, hey, what about 10K? I'm like, JJ has no clue. We know the internet too well. We're, <laughs> this is going to happen in two hours. Like, but also great for you to honor this because i was just like yeah. you know no i was i was definitely gonna honor it i i, I, I thought 10k i thought maybe like oh they, you know, maybe it's by tomorrow like mm-hmm. it might be close and and then like four hours later i was like oh no i'm doing this it was so crazy uh, that meyer jumped like, in I was, like, I was thinking like no, okay. he was so thirsty why well, don't get that why was he he came out of the blue he's like i'll shuck at a beer and they're like nobody asked you to shuck at a beer dog but whatever i mean hey. myers is Clearly, clearly a champ when it comes to that. NBA Bubble Life, and just so I have proof that this is an incredibly full beer, you can see that there. It's a 12-ounce Coors Light. Cheers, everybody. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, no, he no, to, an- to, to, to answer your question though, you know, I, I, first of all, nothing could have prepared me for the, the sort of hate and animosity that I got at Duke. Um, but I feel like I've always tried to just be normal. I've tried to be myself and you know, I, I think that there's a, a lot, a large portion of like the college basketball, you know, fandom that has come around to at the very least tolerating me. Uh, I wouldn't say like liking me or whatever, because there is just this, you know, negative association because I, I played for Duke. And look, I recognized if I had played, let's say, at University of Texas um, or, or University of Florida or something like that, I, I probably wouldn't have had to deal with it at that level. I, I still probably would have got some, some backlash. But uh, a lot of that I, I recognize now is because I'm older, you know, it was just because, you know, I was, I was a Duke. And I guess apparently I'm in the, a long line of, of hated Duke players. <laughs> uh, so what happened last week, what's your perspective of being called white boy on a basketball court and your uh, perspective on the incident between Montrez and Luca. Now, on normally on the basketball court, that's kind of like not on the double racist thing. It's kind of like white man can't jump. I got the white boy or whoever, right? Yeah. And it's always these stereotypes too. When you walk on the court, everybody always thinks, especially in the black neighborhood, thinks that if he's white, he can shoot. <laughs> or he's yeah. not athletic. And it's just like, <laughs> sometimes yeah. I remember the first dude that I played with in college, right? This dude could go between the legs, East Bay, all kind of stuff. And I was just in awe because I played for an all-black high school team, you know. So by the time I got to college, I was just like, yo, the stereotype is, you know, this is different, dude. And the same thing, the, the disrespect for shooters. Like, oh, you got to guard a shooter, just face guarding. It's like, nah, there's right. some dudes that can slash. You're right, right. I, you, when I was 12 years old, 13 years old, you know, and I'd, I'd come in a game um, – you know, as soon as I came into the game, they'd be like, uh, shooter, shooter. And I'm like, you've never seen me play. Like, we're in Beckley, West Virginia right now. You don't know. You don't, I, I could be laying bricks. You have no idea. Um, one of the things, so first of all, I've, I've never taken offense to that because I've always heard that. You know, it's, it's always been a normal thing. And at times, it's, it's said out of, like, uh, sort of respect and love, I think. And at times, maybe – it's said in a negative connotation. I don't take it at all as racist. Um, you know, I had this long conversation one time. This is off topic, but I had this long conversation with Jimmy Butler one time about like whether or not black people can be racist. You know, in America, uh, what Kenny Smith said about the power aspect, right? A black person calling a white person a white boy on the court. Uh, there's no power in that. And, and so much of racism is elevating one race above the other, right? Um, so, I, I, look, I've never, I've never taken offense to that. And I always, I've always felt comfortable talking about race because of basketball. Basketball has given me this incredible vehicle to expand my worldview. I mean, I've talked about it with you guys in the last you know, 20 minutes. Like, I grew up in the sticks. I grew up in the woods. I was not exposed to things until I started playing basketball, until I started being able to, to travel. Like my, my AU team, I played for Boo Williams, my AU team, which was based in Hampton, which was four and a half Shots hours away from, yeah, the greatest, greatest AU program ever. And we went to Brazil. My, when I, like the summer I turned 17, we went to Brazil. That was an eye-opening experience. I got to play 
in two world championships, you know, 1900, 2100 championships, Argentina and Greece. You know, so I, I've played, I played in China three times for the, for the global games, you know, with the NBA. So I've played all over the world and I've been exposed to so many people, so many different viewpoints. And, and because of that, I've always been comfortable talking about race. And Mark Cuban said this on my podcast, which came out today, but Mark Cuban said most white people in America are not comfortable talking about race. And it's one of the reasons that when we talk about some of these things, the immediately, immediate instinct for white people is to get defensive. Um, because, look, no one is saying that white people don't have problems. Or right. White people haven't faced adversity. What they're saying is there's a system, there's, a, there's institutions in place that have held black people back for generations. So that is two totally different things. We are all human and we are all sub, you know, subject to adversity. What we're talking about is these institutional and systemic biases. And if you're not willing to acknowledge that, then that's where I think some of this problem is. And that's why I think white people as a whole, we have to get more comfortable talking about race. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, JJ. I, I actually wanted, was curious, what was the end result or I guess the, um, the conclusion of that conversation you had with Jimmy Butler? I actually came around, I agreed with him. And, and you know, we were, it was 20 minutes before a game, we were sitting on the training table in the locker room. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, it, 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 what he said echoed what Kenny said. Um, you know, and I, I think... I'm not saying and I'm not agreeing that with the idea that that uh, a black person or a brown person uh, can't have like hatred in their heart. They can't have hatred in their heart. But in, in this country in particular, uh, when we talk about racism, we're talking about white people. And that's right. Look, we can go back to 1619 on that. Right. And, 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 and a power dynamic. Right. And yes, exactly. With the racism concept implies in America is that you can't necessarily be racist. Like you said, you can have a hatred in your heart, yes, for another group, but it, it's not going to uh, manifest itself in the same way that a white person's racism would towards a black or a brown person because they can actually oppress you with their racism by calling the police or doing other things that will, you know what I'm saying, will yeah. change the direction of your life immediately. No yeah. doubt. Totally yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah. For sure. All right. My last question before I pass it off to Jason to close us out. Um, did you know that you were prematurely revealing the Ready for Change Dame 6? <laughs> as soon as I hit the send button, I was like, fuck, was I supposed to send that out? I did not know. <laughs> as soon as I hit send, I was like, Yo, because I legitimately, I got back from practice and there was a box sitting outside my hotel room and it's, you know, Adidas size 13, day six. I'm like, cool. You know, I, I brought four pairs with me. This, I'll have an extra pair and took a shower after practice or cold tub, took a shower. I opened the box and I saw the shoes and I was like, oh my God, I took a picture of them and I put it out. And then within 10 seconds, I was like, yo, I wonder if, I wonder if I was supposed to do that. I wonder if I was supposed <laughs> to wait on that. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, my buddy Nick DePaula obviously covers, you know, most of the, the sneaker drops and stuff like that. And we were just sitting there watching like, yo, 
I think he prematurely rolled this out because I know the campaign was coming <laughs> soon, but it was just like, all right, whatever. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure he just kind of missed the memo or that or didn't. Nobody really told him, you know, so, it was oh, so nobody even told me they were coming. That's the thing. Okay. That's the thing. So when I got him, I was like, oh, I actually, so Dame, Dame and I have talked about this a bunch every time, you know, we play against each other, you know, he, he says something about me wearing a shoe. So I was just like, oh, Dame sent me some shoes or like my Adidas rep sent me the shoes. And I, there was no memo. There was no email. There was no like heads up. Like, Hey man, uh, on Thursday, use this hashtag. Like there was none of that. It, so I was just put, the, I put the picture out and I was like, Oh, these, these are fire. I mean, <laughs> these are awesome. And, and they, indeed they were, indeed they were. Yeah, so that, they that was great. funny. Cause I was just kind of sitting there like, Hmm, did he know that? <laughs> <laughs> I did just too late. Yeah. Too late. <laughs> so JJ, tell us about your, before two shot tradition and when did that start man so this probably started so after my second year in the league when i played eight minutes a game and even like less than i did my rookie year when i only played in like 40 games i played 34 games my second year i went back to duke for like two months and i trained like i train now that was the first summer where i was like six days a week i take saturdays off you know doing my conditioning lifting so I come back, you know, I've changed my body. Um, so the rest of the summer in Orlando, I was like, I got to keep this Sunday shooting up. But I also don't want to like kill myself because the previous summer I had, I had worked so hard that when I got to training camp, I felt burnt out. And I was like, yo, the season hasn't even started yet and I feel burnt out. So I was like, I got to figure out a way to shoot on Sundays, but not have it be taxing on my body. So I started shooting spot shots and then the one dribble stuff. And by the end of that summer, I just would have this routine. So what it is, is it's, it's 20 threes, 20 made, 20 made threes from seven spots, 20 made twos from seven spots, uh, three one dribbles going right from seven spots, three one dribbles going left from seven spots. And then after each one of those four sets, I shoot five free throws. So there's 20 free throws. So it's 140, 140, 42, 20. That's 342. So I've done that now for yeah, 12 off seasons. Um, it's, um, it's so boring. I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, it's like so boring. Disciplined and regimented guys. So it seems to fit very well. Yeah. With and the and we, when we, when Tommy and I, my co-host on the old man and the three podcast, when, when we started the old man and the three and our, and our podcast company, we were trying to come up with names for the, for the company. And I was like, Let's do something around three, four, or two, because that's that's an important number. Actually, I think it was my friend Sean Feeney, who's on our little group chat. He runs some restaurants in New York. He's become a close friend. He he knows about this, so he was like, "Why don't you, why don't you do this?" But it's now like people know this. I was um, I was telling D'Angelo Russell the other day last summer for uh, free agency. I never met with Minnesota because I committed so early to the Pelicans. And Gers, their 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 GM, was like. He said to my agent, can we send JJ our little care package that we had planned for him? And so I said, sure. And so they sent me a bunch of stuff. It was like jerseys from my kids, some some gifts for my wife. But one of the things in there was like a custom pair of Adidas basketball shoes that had painted like this 342 logo on the tongue. Um, so it was sick, man. So, so, um, so I went to Fairfax uh, with one of your uh, former uh, collegiate teammates, Jamal Boykin. Yeah. And uh, he told me that when you guys played Maryland, that some of the fans there had pictures of your younger sisters in the stands. 
And I was just wondering, like, what was it like dealing with that type of hostility and, like, overall foulness as, just as a college player? Yeah. The, the, look, there were, some, there were some fans that certainly crossed the line. There, there were, you know, signs uh, about my little sister, who I think was, like, 12 at the time. There were some references to, like, back doors with my little sister. Um, just, like, really sick shit. There was a fan my junior, senior year at Florida State, who during warmups, no matter where I went, he would, he would like go behind the bench or go behind the basket or go behind the student section. He just kept following me and he kept screaming profanities and like sexual lewd acts that he was, that he was claiming he had done with my sisters. I have three sisters. And the, the, the crazy thing was the security, arena security wasn't doing anything. And I, you know, I was like, yo, can you, can you handle my mans over here? <laughs> like, yeah, right. you know, they didn't do shit. And I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. And um, so I, I mean, I had to look, I had to deal with that. I mean, there was, uh, there was a group of Maryland fans my sophomore year who like somehow got my cell phone number and they would call me like all hours of the day, all hours of the night. And they'd scream things into the phone. Um, I changed my number like seven times that year. They just kept getting it. I figured at some point it was like, all right, there's a leak. One of my friends is the leak. You know, somebody keeps doing this. Um, You know, I think they called me the antichrist or something like that. But um, (laughs) it was like, I'm 19, man. Like, I I, I don't know how to deal with this. Um, So it was tough. But I, you know, I, look, I got over it. I hold, you know, I hold. No ill will towards any fan base, right. except for Mar- except for Maryland. You know, <laughs> right. Fuck, fuck Maryland fans, <laughs> legitimately, man. <laughs> <It is. laughs> hey, Evan Burns went. Evan Burns went to Fairfax. Didn't yes, he? yes, yes. I'll say, yeah. man, Burns. look, yeah. Evan. So he was my McDonald's class, and I know he got hurt, had a had a, knee, a serious knee injury in college, but like he was so talented, man. I thought I thought yeah. he was going to be a fifteen year NBA player. He's like, because because even even now, like you look at, I mean, he's he was like six seven, wingspan, athletic, could shoot. Um, I thought he was going to be a pro for sure. Yeah, I got a chance no, to play against him. And yeah, uh, and go ahead. Oh, no, uh, so I was just saying, like more so watching Evan, dude. He he was supposed to be the next one, you know. And obviously, injuries happen. And the same thing, we got a chance to talk to uh, last week. Well, we didn't have him on the show, but I was in a part of a Zoom call with Shea Cotton. And Shea Cotton also, you know, explained, like, just different things. And I know it's tough as an athlete sometimes not getting – reaching their their goal, but then also finding a different purpose. And I, I hope that Evan, you know, got a chance to to, to reach, you know, a different, a different goal in life because, you know what I mean, like, as athletes, it's so much pressure from your neighborhoods and families to make it out. And then when you return, you know, just the ills of the world sometimes can kind of – draw you to the wrong things if you're not you're not getting there especially you know in 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 the in the black community too so yeah yeah I really felt for him man I I was a freshman when he was either a junior or senior at Fairfax and I used to see him walking around all the time and you know I know the big story was basically like his SAT scores weren't high enough to get you know to the next level and it's just unfortunate that you know that stops so many guys from you know, get in there. There, there was no G League at the time or anywhere right. for somebody like him to go. So, um, you know what? That actually, I was trying to figure out what my last question was going to be to you, but that actually leads me to what I think my last question should be. Um, do you think 
the NCAA should pay players? And did you feel like that in college? I didn't feel like that in college. But looking back, I I should have been paid. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think you gotta you got to rethink the entire system. Um, there were – think it was I think it was Mina Kimes put up some articles about two weeks ago and I read one of them and it was talking about you know that one of the arguments is like well all of these revenue driving sports well not all of them but there's two of them men's basketball you know men's 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 football you know they're supplementing the rest of these athletic departments so so you couldn't have these athletic departments um, you know these other sports like lacrosse or tennis or whatever it may be but if you look at uh, a D2 athletic department or a D3 athletic department, they're not generating revenue and they're able to fund uh, sports at that level. So, I, you know, the, the issue is, you know, the money's got to be spent. And so they're spending that money on a nicer bus or nicer locker rooms or, you know, PJs or whatever it may be. Coaches' salaries. Yeah, coaches' salaries, administrators' salaries. You got de- you got defensive coaches in, in high high college football that are making over a million bucks a year. Like, let's put that money in the kids' pockets. Let's put it in the kids' pockets. They're the product. They're the, they're the labor right now. It's it's a it's a it's a rigged system where the labor is free, and um, you know you can't make the argument anymore that uh, the, you know high level NCAA sports is amateur sports. It's not amateur sports. They're professionals in every sense of the word, except. You know, they don't, they don't yeah. get paid. And, right. and also, they're, they're athlete students. I lived that. I didn't get to choose the major I wanted to choose. I didn't get to take the classes I wanted to take at Duke because it was all based on the practice schedule. And I didn't choose, I didn't choose public policy as my major because I didn't, wanna, I didn't want to have to deal with the amount of tutoring that it took for econ. Because I was like, I'm going to be in the gym, whatever, five, six hours a day. I knew that. I don't have the time. To, to, to do an hour of tutoring every day so I can pass econ. Um, so I chose, I chose history because it was easier. And I still had to do my math credits, but I, you know, I, went, I did the statistics route and computer programming instead of econ. Wow. Yeah. All right. Here's a question that we ask our guests uh, every time they're on the show at the end. What advice would you give 18-year-old JJ? Party less. This is a Duke. Party less. Kill for two years and go win a chip and go to, the, go to the league. I went to Duke with the mindset I was going to be a four-year player, and that stunted me my first two years because I realized how tough it was to play at Duke, how much, it, how much was demanded of me, and I went to a bad place, and my sophomore year was like a wasted season. And uh, had I gone in with a different mindset of like, I'm going to focus on hoops, I'm going to do everything academically because I didn't even go to like my, my first two years. I barely went to class. You know, I was, I was, I think I had like a one seven my sophomore year. And then my junior and senior year, I was all ACC academic both those two years. Cause I actually, actually, I actually went to class and I did my stuff on time and I, and I paid attention and all that. And I worked, but yeah, I would have just, I would have just said kill for two years and, and go to the league. And got to make a living, man. Have to have gotta to make, make a living. living. Got to make a living, man. <laughs> Well, JJ, man, this has been a great episode, man. Thank you again for taking your time and to talk to both of us. And uh, hopefully uh, we can be on, uh, you know, cross-platform one time on, on, yes, a, on a topic that uh, that makes sense for us. For sure. I appreciate you guys. Keep doing your thing. You guys are, you guys are killing it.